This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by the Door County Community Foundation, inspiring people to give back, to sustain, and advance the community that we love. To learn more, visit givedoorcounty.org. Hello and welcome to the Door County Pulse podcast. I'm Miles Danhausen Jr., writer and editor here at the Peninsula Pulse. Today, I am joined by Nate Bell, who has no title. He's just Nate Bell. No, it's Nate Bell. He's a trustee for the Village of Sister Bay, but kind of more importantly for this podcast, a really avid cycling enthusiast and who has kind of pushed some things forward in Northern Door County. And I wanted to have him on here to talk about some of the progress being made in Sister Bay and where he would like to see things go as for cyclists and pedestrians in the county. So, Nate, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Miles. Nate Bell, who I almost always refer to in full name. I, I very rarely just call you Nate. It's always like Nate Bell. So, funny thing, for the senior video many years ago, I actually noted in there that everybody called me Nate Bell, not just Nate. <laughs> Nate just seems too short. Kind of, I think Nate Hatch is that way too. I don't often just call him Nate. There's a lot of Nates out there. I mean, you know, Nate Hatch, Nate Ling, <laughs> Nate Jacobs and I used to walk around Gibraltar just to see people say, hey, Nate, and we'd all look at them. <laughs> Gibraltar's a little bit dull, very, especially in the winter. Yeah, very minor some, forms of amusement. Yeah, that was a relatively innocuous form of amusement. We weren't <laughs> harming anybody. <laughs> for, the, for the listeners out there, Nate uh, graduated one year after me at Gibraltar. Two years. Two years after. So that, that's why we're, we're diving right back into high school memories. But anyway, back to the topic at hand that actually matters to people listening to this podcast. Nate, you, you brought back uh, a little less than a year ago, I think, the Ask the Villager Sister Bay to reform an outdoor recreation and transportation committee and to start looking at different bike path options and improving cycling facilities in Sister Bay, but also recreation in general. And one of the main thing I want to talk about today is the efforts of that committee, where that's at. I know a couple of weeks ago in the Pulse reported on some of the newest plans for adding some bike accommodations to some roads, some dedicated bike paths, some different pedestrian options in the village. And some of those might come to fruition kind of sooner than I thought, and maybe a lot of people would think, uh, hopefully. And I wanted to start by just asking, like, what made you want to bring this committee back into existence in Sister Bay, and, and what was your, your goals for this? Well, I think it comes back to me starting getting into cycling, and that was May of 2020 in the, in the, the heat of the pandemic, looking for something to do. That, that's a whole other podcast we did, Miles. But yep. once you realize how car-centric society is, it's really hard to unsee. And the changes that need to happen for that are, are very slow to happen, and they take a, a constant effort over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And nothing is going to happen very quickly. There, there was a, a short period of time where I believed that we were going to get some traction on Woodcrest. Woodcrest Road, which is kind of a, a road that's shared by the town of Liberty Grove and Sister Bay on the, the edge of town. Yes. So what I was advocating for is to make that wide enough to put proper cycling lanes on there. The town said that that was not something they were planning on doing. And the village said, no, we really want to do this. The village said, no, we want to really do this three times. And the fourth time the village said, fine, let's just get this done. Woodcrest Road was in some pretty rough shape. But me and some of the other board members said, well, we understand it's in bad shape, but let's look at the long-term vision on here. 
because if we touch this road, we're not likely to touch it for 20, 30, or 40 years. Yeah. And like I say, there was those three times we said, no, we really should do this right. I, I thought, well, maybe this will happen. But there's going to be times where you you make some progress and there's times where you, you don't. And uh, you just need to keep sticking through it because nothing happens fast with government. It, it kind of moves at the speed of government. You've got to get some inertia behind it. Once it gets going, it, it can sometimes take a life of its own. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen fast, but that no worthwhile change is easy. That's a good point. And I think I, I've definitely been stuck in this situation sometimes working on things with the, whether it's nonprofits or municipalities or heck, even my own business, you get frustrated when it can't happen right now. And sometimes you throw up your hands and it really just does take sticking to it, staying with it and getting through those hurdles because some of it is just staying power, proving to people that you, you're going to be there because a lot of great ideas come forward. And then nobody shows up. I know like with the Sister Bay Village Hall, a lot of people advocating really strongly to save the village hall. But then when a committee is formed, nobody's stepping forward to volunteer to serve on the committee to, to save the village hall, to do the work. So it's sometimes you need people to, to show up time and time again. And then it proves them and it's like, okay, we're going to invest some time in you and your project because you're not going away. <laughs> so being a squeaky wheel and sticking with it goes a long way. So going back to... You, you made that point about once you started to see how car-centric things were, you couldn't unsee it. Kind of go back to those early days. You start cycling during the pandemic. You're doing it to kind of change your mental outlook and your, your health and a lot of different things that we talked about in a previous podcast. But when you start riding, what is that change that you saw? What, what were you starting to see that made you think about how car-centric our society is and even our villages in Door County? Because it's not like we think of it. We're not like... Chicago or Washington, D.C. or even Milwaukee where it's like major traffic jams. So we don't think about it too much, although maybe in the summer we do. But like what were the things you were seeing that you're like, oh, this is this kind of backwards? Well, the lack of infrastructure, you don't really think about it is is a, you know, when you're driving your car and the presumption that you will take a car everywhere. I mean, like people don't even think about it as being an option to walk or to, to cycle places. And the other thing is we've we've taken the convenience of an, a car-based society, we don't appreciate the effort it takes to go someplace. I mean, I can tell you, if, if I'm going to go bike to work, I'm going to think about, well, what, what do I need with me? You know, I don't want to have to run home in the middle of the day to, to go get something and come back. Sure, it's an option, but it's not practical. So I think you don't, because it's so easy, you don't value it as much. Mm. And, you know, you, you look around, I mean, like, if you want to try and go somewhere and put your bike somewhere, there's hardly any bike racks anywhere. Right. And then going down, like, you, you uh, County Q is listed with the state of Wisconsin as a bike route, which is a little bit funny to me. I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful road, and there's not that much traffic on it. But there's also, there's no shoulder, which, by the way, cyclists shouldn't be operating in the shoulder typically anyway. Mm-hmm. But there is no infrastructure. You've got to go down the middle of the lane, and you see a lot of, of people that are a little bit more timid cyclists going on that side shoulder, which can be a heck of a lot more dangerous for everyone. Well, explain why that's more dangerous. Because I think most drivers go down the road and they think, cyclists, get out of my way. This is this road is for me and me only. And you should use that sliver over there by the gravel and the, and the debris. I have to admit that that's what I used to think. Mm-hmm. So if you are going to be on a road and there is not a cycle lane, you should operate roughly three feet from the edge, the right edge of the road. If there is oncoming traffic and you've got somebody coming from behind you, whether you're on the other side of the, the shoulder line or not, there's not room physically for a car coming 
on the car passing you and you in the road. Although people will try and that will push, you know, it, it, either you're going to get hit or you're going to end up going into the ditch. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just not physically room for, for those three things to pass through there. And you're also less visible if you're over on the shoulder on the very far right side. Yeah. If you're on the very far right side, you are begging the person coming behind you to pass you, which if there's no oncoming traffic, that might be fine. They're going to have plenty of space. But if you're seeing a car coming at you from ahead and there's a car behind you, and if you move to the shoulder, that car is going to come really close to your shoulder, especially on most of our rural roads that do not have like a three foot paved stretch beyond that white line. So they're going to come right up on the, the edge of you. If they're a big truck, you're going to get the wind gust. And if that oncoming traffic at all swerves into the car behind you, that car behind you is going to swerve into you. Yeah. When, when bikes meet cars, bikes lose. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and I know that there, I'd have to say that 90, 95% of the people driving out there go by and they, they, they do the right thing and they go around and there's probably 5% that are a little bit aggressive and you've got very much, you know, the few percent left that get angry about it. And the thing that's kind of funny to me is depending on the season, the number of aggravated drivers goes up pretty substantially. August and September and even parts of October are actually the worst. And I think that's because people just don't have the patience after dealing with a whole season up here. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to enjoy this one, Miles, particularly, but also after these large cycling events. Yeah. People get aggravated. And honestly, the... There's no, no group of people is monolithic. There are, there are certainly some motorists that are very responsible. Well, the majority of them are. Yeah. And the majority of cyclists are also responsible. But that doesn't mean that there's not some people in either group that are less than responsible. And you also have, you can get groupthink involved there too. Yeah. It's one of the things, every time we have an event, I start by making announcements over and over again of like, even though the cars are responsible for sharing the road and that the onus for safety is on the car more than in my mind on the car, more than the pedestrian or the cyclist, because the car, no cyclist is going to run into the car and kill the car, (laughs) destroy the car, but the vice versa, same thing with the pedestrian. No eight year old kid is going to walk into a car and destroy that car and hurt the driver, but the driver can kill the eight year old kid. That's where the responsibility lies. But try to remind them all like, Hey, share the road. Don't ride four across. Don't ride over the center line. If a car's coming, do what you would want. If you were driving behind a cyclist, what would you want them to do? You'd want them to, all right, don't go four abreast. Go make some space, make accommodations, and and have your eye out because you don't want to force the cars all to have to go entirely in the other way if there's a lot of traffic either. So there's some responsibility on both sides, especially with those large cycling events, to not get people turned off to the cyclists. We want to make it a symbiotic relationship out there. But in any case, so what, as you're riding around and you say, all right, it's a, this is, we're too car centric. And you mentioned like there's, there's not even a bike rack in most of Sister Bay to, to park your bike and most businesses or even parks in Door County. What are some of the things then that would change that? What's the thinking that needs to change from a municipal planning standpoint? The biggest thing is when we construct roads to make sure that we have the appropriate infrastructure in place. You know, the, the holy grail of cycling infrastructure is separated bike lanes. And I'd love that to be everywhere. That's not practical. Right. It's, it's, you're never going to get that, um, which is, at least for a long time. Then again, people would point out Amsterdam in the 60s. Yeah. Now, Amsterdam in the 60s looked a whole lot like the U.S., 
And they came out there and there was, I, I forget the exact name of it. It was like, you're killing our children was, was effectively the, the campaign they ran because they had a lot of issues with, with pedestrians and cyclists getting, getting hurt and mm-hmm. particularly children. So they, you know, over the last 40, 50 years, they've really made a pretty drastic change on there. So that, that separated bike lane is, would be great. Dedicated bike lanes would be good, but there's also an appropriate place for shared bike lanes. Like when you're on a slower street, if you say it's going 25 miles an hour and it's a lower traffic street, there's no reason that needs to be a dedicated bike lane. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you just need to be, have people share it, which most of the time it, it's fine. The other thing that's interesting that people don't typically think about is how much of the time our roads are completely empty. Right. <laughs> I mean, like I, I can tell you that there's in the fall on, on County Q, if I come in in the morning, I might see two cars. And that's going from Woodcrest on Q till Q dumping out in Bailey's Harbor. Yeah. So the, the appropriate infrastructure in place there. So designing them only for cars is kind of a waste of that resource. <laughs> I mean, if you think of, I mean, driving through Sister Bay in as busy as it, as it is in the summer, and even on weekends now, it's a good thing that there's, there's still business up here, so businesses can stay open. But if I drive out at 8 o'clock yesterday morning into Sister Bay, there is not a car on that entire downtown area. Same thing in Fish Creek, Bailey's Harbor, heck, even big chunks of Sturgeon Bay. I mean, one of the things that I hate to see more than anything is just massive parking lots that sit empty like 22 out of 24 hours a day. That's just such a wasted resource in real estate, property tax value, stormwater runoff, all those other things. So you go through Sister Bay and you have, I'd say all through Sister Bay, it's a 60 foot wide swath of concrete which doesn't look as bad in the summer when there's a lot of people walking on it and a lot of cars around and there's a lot of things going on. But right now, wow, we just took the center of our town and just made this, this huge wide swath for cars. So something else that I've been involved with for a long time is I've been on the Sister Bay Plan Commission. And I was really astonished at how getting involved in cycling made me change the viewpoint on, on planning. And you realize mm. how much we dedicate on planning to being car centric. Yeah. I mean, the amount of parking that we require is, I, I, I would advocate for parking maximums instead of parking minimums, which is something that a lot of places in the United States are doing now. Yeah. Something that I found very heartening is when the Peach Barn came up to the Plan Commission, there's two things that reduce their parking requirements. One is they had bike racks there. So they, okay, well, you can, you can have more people in your building because you've got the facilities to bring, to transport them there. And the other thing, while not cycling related still is, is really helps with that is there was also an allocation for trolleys to come there. Hmm. So then all of a sudden, instead of having this big sea of concrete out there, it could be much smaller. Yeah. And, and in downtown Sister Bay, I mean, the, one of the things you, you think about in, in plan commission is what's the highest, best use of this property. And a parking lot is virtually never that. I mean, years ago, I, I, I was pushing back on having a Waterview parking lot. I didn't think that was a great idea. And I think that was over by uh, the door hotel is referring to that because I think there's pushing to have a larger parking lot. There. I'm like, well, why would we do a parking lot here? So we get a great view of the bay here that there should be something else. There's a better use of this property. Right. Well, I even, I think I might've mentioned this to you, but a lot of people get hung up on the door hotel, but I would say of all the and Sister Bay's made a lot of progress, a lot of good decisions over the last 15 years. But I would say if I were to point out and think of the, the biggest mistake made in the evolution of Sister Bay and the, and the development of Sister Bay, I wouldn't point to the door. I would point to the parking lot across from Waterfront Park, yes. the, the one right there. That is, 
a really poor use of maybe one of the two or three prime lots in the village. And I know it was tied to the DNR taking a chunk of of land, I believe it was the DNR, and then having to replace that with another waterfront access portion. And so that parking lot became that trade-off. But my hunch is that that could have been accomplished a different way but people were just jumping on that parking thing. And I, and I know people who would say, well, Sister Bay doesn't have enough parking. You, well, you're crazy for thinking that that lot shouldn't be there, but there's other spots for a lot like that one block away that don't have that water view. And so now you have that huge swath of asphalt. Part of that parking, having it there, is it's, it is a little bit more challenging to get pedestrians in and out of the village. You know, like if you want to go up 57, which is hopefully something that we're going to address soon in the village. You don't have a, a good way, safe way to walk down from any of those hotels or those apartments. So you're pushing people to drive there. Well, you Again, to give people context, what you're talking about is Highway 57 and Highway 42 meet on the hill as you head down into the main portion of Sister Bay, just south of Husby's. And there is up that hill on 57, you have the daycare, you have Scandinavian Lodge and Birchwood, two of the largest hotels, Sister Bay Inn, uh, you also have the new hospital facility and you have Scandia Village, plus hundreds of residences, apartments and homes right up that hill with no pedestrian or cycling conduit to get into downtown. So you basically are saying you must drive. Which is going to make it harder for the people that want to walk down there to go because there's that, there's that many more cars. Yes. One thing that's different between pedestrians and cyclists versus cars is the more cars there are, the less safe and the less inviting it is to bike or walk somewhere. Right. But it doesn't make it less inviting for somebody to drive a car to, to the same location. They're more likely to want to walk or cycle if they say, oh, well, hey, these other people can do it. I've always said that I know that I'm an outlier that's going to go bike from Sister Bay to Bailey's Harbor for a commute because it, it doesn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. So we need to make it so that, that parents with children can do that. And I mean, I, I know that... Over the years, uh, the last couple of years, I've taunted you a little bit about, you know, why don't you get out there, you know, get back on the bike miles and all that. And one of the things you've referred back to is like, well, I've got to take my kids to the daycare. And getting from your house to the daycare is, I know you've done it recently, but it is it, it is a daunting and it doesn't feel safe for, no. for a good chunk of that. It doesn't feel safe. And it, yeah, it's one thing to not feel safe for me individually. But then once you have a kid and you're pulling them behind you, it changes your your whole calculation of safety dramatically. And for the listeners, like I only live a mile from daycare. I actually really enjoy biking there. But to do it as safe as possible and it's still not really inviting, I have to go several miles out of the way to go south and then come north on 57. I could also go up the hill in Sister Bay, and that's what I, I tend to do. But it's it's very problematic because you're just going down Highway 57 then or you have to to go a long way around another way, which is okay. It's okay to wait, go a little bit farther, but so now we can get into a little bit of what sister Bay is working on with your, your outdoor recreation committee. And what you guys have recommended is creating a separated dedicated bike and pedestrian path that would go along 57 and connect to the, the existing sidewalk and pass into downtown that would go toward the daycare, toward all that housing, and toward all those motel units up there. That's part of it. Then that's the part that's more likely to happen sooner than later. Mm -hmm. What happened is, uh, I think it was back in July, they, the, the committee said, hey, hey, Nate, why don't you uh, come up with a, a list of things that you think we should connect to, shared it with the, the committee. And really what it came down to is looking at connecting the sports center 
to downtown, connecting the sports center to the apartments and the other things on 57 there, the, the, the medical mm-hmm. com- complex and whatnot. And, you know, making it possible so people can go from downtown to the pig or from the sports center to the pig. That, that general, the Piggly Wiggly area, there's a lot of, of, of residents that are there. Yeah. When every trip you take requires a car, it just pushes that much more demand on, on, on the traffic and everything that's happening there. This episode of the Door County Pulse podcast is brought to you in part by Door County Medical Center. Are you looking for a job in Door County with excellent benefits, culture, and potential for advancement through tuition reimbursement programs? Door County Medical Center is hiring... For more than 75 years, Door County Medical Center has been the leader in health and wellness for Door and Kiwani counties. Their integrated medical center provides a wide range of specialties, including primary care, behavioral health, general surgery, the Women and Children's Center, the Door Orthopedic Center, the Door County Cancer Center, and more. To join the team, apply today at dcmedical.org slash careers. Yeah, I mean, what, what Sister Bay has done over 15 or 20 years is done some things to incentivize building housing at the top of the hill, up by the Piggly Wiggly and the Country Walk Shops, and behind there, there's been a lot of housing units built. I would guess, just ballparking it between housing and rental units, there's got to be two to 400 residents in that area. And there's going to be more now. There's a 46-unit complex going in. There's another small housing complex going in. There's a bunch of apartments that have just recently come online. So all of those hundreds of units built with not a single pedestrian accommodation connecting them to the downtown. So even though you've added the ability for a lot of people to work in your village, every one of those workers even must drive to work basically the way that it's, if they don't have to, but you're incentivizing them to drive to work and then eat up the parking that everyone says in such such short supply. And so if you add up all the restaurants and hotels and stuff in downtown Sister Bay, how much of that traffic and parking problem isn't tourists, but the workers serving them? How many of those parking spaces are just eaten up by the people who are working there that live a couple blocks away? And that's exactly what I mean when you see how car-centric society is. And it's not a Sister Bay thing. I mean, this is a U.S. Really, when people talk about it, they call it a North America issue. Yeah. Because if you look at it, it's really going to be Canada and the U.S. are are virtually in the same place. You end up with these things called strodes. I don't know if you've heard of that term. Yeah, yep. Explain it to our listeners. So they're going to be divided they're somewhere between a street and a road. They call them strodes. They're a divided road that really doesn't have any pedestrian infrastructure on it, or if it does, you're forced to cross six, eight lanes of traffic, and it's impractical for people to to walk around there. I'm trying to think of a good example of a strode. I mean, 40- it's sort of the highway coming into Sturgeon Bay. Yeah, that's is, the closest. I mean, we call it a highway, but in many ways, it functions as a strode. It's a high-speed, four-lane road kind of through the middle of two parts of a city. So they're like, you would not work in the industrial park and get there. Very few people would do that by bike or walking. Like a guy like Carl Morrison will, who has biked to work every day for eight years, but there's very few because, it, and a, a huge part of it is that particular road. It's not a very inviting place to get across. And there's a school on one part of it. So if you had a kid going to that school right there, it's not very inviting. And when it's not that inviting, then you just push that much more traffic there. So it's, yeah, it makes it even worse. It's kind of that, I think you and I have talked about that, that law of in, induced demand. I mean, you look at Green Bay. For some reason, I mean, traffic has never been a big issue in Green Bay, yet they widen the, is that 41? Yes. On the west side. They, the, what is that, like a six, seven, like it's it's more lanes than most of Chicago has. So, so there must have been a, a hugely influential 
highway construction firm that got the state to invest in that because it's only busy when you're going to Lambeau Field. I was going to say, I think that there's a sports Packer team that's involved days. on that. It's Packer game days. And you know what? I was always fine <laughs> like, to spend that amount of money and give up that much real estate and that much. That's going to be there forever for eight Sundays a year. So think and about the way the Packers are playing right now. It, they won't even get the playoff games in there for a while. So. <laughs> think about the Fox River Mall and the parking lots that surround there. You're talking about eight Sundays. At least that's eight Sundays. Yeah. For the Fox River Mall, you're building that that much parking. And it's, I, I don't know what the zoning code is out there. I think that's Grand Chute. But that parking is built up for Black Friday. Yeah. Maybe there's going to be two or three days a year where you actually use all that parking up. But you look at that. I mean, how could you walk to the Fox River Mall? It is just wildly difficult to do and not safe. Yeah. And that's, I mean, if you, the strode surrounding that, those are all strode surrounding the mall there. Mm. But that's another example of how car centric society is. And it, it trickles down into our little villages. I mean, people tend to think wider roads are safer. They generally are not. It makes it harder to cross them because it's a longer span. It makes cars go faster. So if you widen a road, you're going to guarantee the traffic is going to go faster. Whatever speed limit you put on it, the speed limit sign you put up does very little to control the speed. So, it is nice to have dedicated bike lanes, but dedicated bike lanes on a really wide road, you're basically saying, ride your bike where traffic is going to go faster than they're supposed to go. Something that, that I, you know, there's a couple YouTube channels that I've, I've really gotten and uh, watched a lot of them. Is one is um, Not Just Bikes. That's a gentleman that lives in Amsterdam. And then there's that other one that's, um, gosh, it's not coming out. It's not City Nerd. That's another one. City Beautiful? Or? City Beautiful, yeah. which is actually Dave. Uh, Dave Amos, who has yeah. been on this podcast before, which if you are interested in this topic at all, I know Nate and I are nerding out on a little <laughs> bit, but like Dave Amos's YouTube channel, City Beautiful, he does these five to eight minute YouTube videos on different like planning topics. It's not just bikes. I mean, that's actually a very small portion of what he does. It's pedestrian infrastructure. It's smart planning, things like that. And it's really accessible. He's really great at it, and he's much smarter than Nate and I. <laughs> so, and he's from Sturgeon Bay. So I will not be offended if you stop listening to this podcast right now and just go listen to Dave Amos. He's way better at this. But yes, he is a Sturgeon Bay High School graduate, and he actually has a, one of his videos is about Sturgeon Bay specifically, which is pretty cool. But he is now a professor at Cal Poly? Yeah. Any case, another tangent. That's us giving you the better information right there. <laughs> so Sister Bay... Some of your priorities, potentially doing that path, off-road, pedestrian, and, and, and bike path along 57. You're also talking about connecting the sports complex to the village with a, a path. Like from what I saw, it would start as maybe a gravel path with a, a long-term plan to improve that path over a couple of years. If I'm mm-hmm. So basically, the, the sports complex, which gets a ton of use in Sister Bay, again, no real easy way to walk there from the downtown or not actually, no sidewalk. To get to it. And then there's possibility on the south end of the village, kind of on Country Lane, which is where the, the village does have about a one mile long dedicated pedestrian and bike path between the kind of the Piggly Wiggly area down to Open Hearth Lodge. And it just stops. It's kind of, we used to call it like the path to nowhere, but at least it's there. So it's a starting point. So now you're talking about trying to do something at Country Lane to connect it to other communities. Yeah. One thing that we've 
we were talking about the last committee meeting was connecting down to Ephraim and Liberty Grove because Sister Bay doesn't actually touch Ephraim. It comes very close to, but it goes through Liberty Grove. So we have to get. Yeah, there is a tiny sliver of Liberty Grove that's over just south of Pebble Beach and kind of up to like the, the Associated Bank area there. Kind of like how there's a little sliver of Brown County down on part of Southern Door between Kiwani and Door County, I think. Do I have that right? No, you, no, it's a little sliver of Kiwani between Brown and Door. Yes, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, Dykesville area. Yeah, so you've got a, a lot of different municipalities involved there, and that, that we realized that while we really want to do that, to get it connected, because if you can't, if you only can get within Sister Bay, that's really not going to do a lot for transportation. It'll do something, because there's plenty of people that live in Sister Bay year-round, and there's yeah. a lot of activities there. But really, you need to start connecting communities together to make it more possible for people to really not have a screw loose and, and want to, you know, use their bike or their feet to get somewhere. Yeah, and that's a great thing. Like, you sh- it shouldn't be this huge challenge. It should be easier. Like, before I had kids, I would bike into the village a lot more. And I, I live one mile from Sister Bay, so I'd bike there. I'd bike into Ephraim once in a while. But now that I have kids, the same risks I was willing to take and go down Double Z and, and do battle with the the construction trucks and stuff that, that fly down that road, you're not as willing to do that with a burly on the back. So hopefully at one point, maybe through that Wiltsy property, I'll find a new path. But that's what we want to make, make it easier for families to do and for seniors like my dad to do and things like that to feel safe on, on the roads and not feel like by cycling, taking traffic off the road, I'm taking my life in my own hands a little bit. So that connection on the south end of the village, what, like, what are you guys looking at there on that country lane area? That likely is going to be a bike lane. That's what we're shooting for. We realize that there's some, um, it it's one of the boundaries with Liberty Grove. So mm-hmm. we need them to cooperate with us on that. But there's a heck of a lot more town village cooperation than there has been in the past. And I'm optimistic about that. Mm-hmm. It's all one community. I've said that many times before. But getting that connected out there, I think that at some point we're, what really would be helpful is to get an easement onto some private property to get that country lane area connected back to town line somehow. There's yeah. a couple different places we could do there. I know that Bill Anderson was talking about that. That would be a challenge, and that that's not something that the village can do because it's not even in the villages in the village proper. But it would be a great benefit to you know Ephraim and Sister Bay. Have there been conversations with Liberty Grove and Ephraim about that area at all? I've talked to a couple to some people on the town board there, okay. and I think that there's some interest in doing it. It's just a matter. Really, the biggest challenge in local government is typically getting people educated. Once they understand an issue, more often than not, at least for, for the things that I'm advocate, that I've advocated for, people are like, okay, well, I get that. I understand what you're saying now. That makes sense. We should try and do that as is possible. Yeah. You know, it's, it's one of those spots where you got to get villages and communities to, to move beyond their silo. I mean, and that's hard because I understand like staff and boards, you know, they're stretched time-wise to even think about all the things they need to do in their own community, let alone learn about the other ones. But in this case, you know, Ephraim's talking about, they have an ad hoc committee that's talked about doing an off-road path on the North end between the Waterbury Inn and Associated Bank. And so if they did that, and if you guys are talking about Country Lane, it's really a small sliver to connect those two paths. And you can go from having two separate paths that can only be connected by someone riding down that little sister hill, which people do now, and it's somewhat dangerous. Or if they're communicating and thinking along the same lines, maybe there's grant money, maybe there's an an opportunity there to do. Now you've really connected two villages and people could safely do it. That's something that Dan Klansky, the director of public works in Sister Bay, has done 
a good job of, of opening our eyes to is the fact that there is grant money out there that we mm. need to have these plans in place. And that's one of the biggest reasons that this, this committee got formed was because we knew there was grant money out there because Dan actually suggested like, hey, if we have a plan, I can go out there and I can ask for money and we probably will get it because there's not a lot of asks for this pool of money that's out there hmm. at the state level and also somewhat at the federal level. I think most of it's yeah. state. But yeah, if you don't have the plan, and I think in Sister Bay it had been almost a decade since they had updated their outdoor recreation plan. I think it was more than that because there was the 2013 Door County bike plan. Okay. And I don't think that Sister Bay wasn't part of that because I think the villages weren't included. It was just the towns, hmm. if I remember right. So in any case, like you don't you don't have an updated plan, which then you can't apply for grants if you haven't updated that plan in in that long. So, is what I was told. So that's that's another helpful aspect of this. Like as a cyclist, what's your vision? Like if you were sitting here five years from now and we were doing this, like what would you want to, or even ten might be have have to be a longer term. But what would you like to have seen to be able to say that Door County had accomplished? It's hard to say something specifically because you don't know where this is going to end up, and I mean. You may be working on one portion of it, but just because you don't get that one piece done doesn't mean you weren't successful. I, mm -hmm. I guess what I would like to see is looking back at when 42 was redone between Northport or between Gills Rock and, and, and the Ferry Dock, I think it's it was a real missed opportunity to put cycling lanes there because people are going down there and that is, you know, it's... And is acknowledged by the Department of Transportation, the State, State Department of Transportation, that it is a cycling route. I think that to improve the infrastructure on the places that have been identified as cycling routes by the state would be a really big improvement. I think that more tourism based on that because it is lower impact than it than people that are going everywhere in a car. And to see people that, you know, maybe maybe your family only needs one car miles. Yeah. You know, that that would be an accomplishment to make that so it's possible for, you know, the average person to do that. Mm -hmm. Think about those that uh, area behind the pig, there's new buildings coming online, or houses coming online with two car garages. And there was some excitement that there was two car garages. So there'd be by some people on the plan commission saying, great, there's places for two cars. And my thought is, that's really sad that we need this three bedroom house to have a two car garage because you need to have two cars here to, to operate, you know, to, to live your life. So I, I think that if we could see that change to make that more possible to, to have it not be an outlier, it's hard to say a specific thing, well, it kind of goes back to what you just mentioned there is that whole dichotomy of we give tax credits for buying fuel efficient vehicles at various points whenever we want to incentivize that. We don't give a tax credit for not using a vehicle at all, which would be the most environmentally conscious thing and the most benefit to society. So if you are a cyclist only <laughs> or a pedestrian only, you don't get that benefit, but somebody gets a incentivized to go out and buy a car that's fuel efficient. Yeah, it's something I thought about. Uh, this year is like, huh, there's there's no mileage reduction for me if I'm on a bike. It's what was 58 cents last time I looked for the federal oh, yeah. de mileage deduction. So in some ways, they're incentivized, you know, the, the, the tax code incentivizes it. Yeah. I mean, and if you look at the state of Wisconsin, the funding for our road system is not coming from the fuel tax. I mean, like, yes, some of it does, but a lot of it is not. So it's not just a use tax on there. Everybody's paying for it. You know, I asked you that vision question, and I think that when I when I hear about Ephraim doing their path and Sister Bay investigating some of the paths that you guys are investigating, Egg Harbor potentially still talking about a connection between Murphy Park and the downtown, my mind always goes back to Traverse City 
where I spoke to somebody there, they have 27 miles of off-road connected paths between all these little communities, very much like Door County. It's a peninsula area just like ours. And you can bike a long way. They probably It's probably more than 27 miles now, but they're all connected either by some sort of on-road infrastructure or dedicated off-road path. And it started by a couple of communities doing things and then there were these gaps between them and then over time connecting them. And I think it took them 20 some years to build this. But, you know, if in this moment with Ephraim talking about it, Egg Harbor talking about it, Sister Bay talking about it, that might be enough. And then, oh, and Town of Gibraltar has, has talked about it and they've, the Peninsula State Park has discussed putting a path along the highway there. So if you do those things, then it's about filling in those gaps. And like for the first time in my life, I can actually envision 10 years from now, those things being connected or at least say Gibraltar to sister Bay being a welcoming, safe bike connection. If these communities work together, talk to each other, go out and get the money. There's a support for it with the rise of e-bikes. It's more possible for more people to take part in it and do it safely. And now those, you know, if you're a senior citizen who might've looked at the sister Bay Hill or even me look at the sister Bay Hill as insurmountable. Well, now with an e-bike, that's quite possible to do. So you can actually, there's just so many more incentives. And maybe for some people, an e-bike is a, a more likely replacement for their car than a traditional bike. It makes it more accessible to a lot more people, e-bikes do. Yeah. But as you're talking about that that connection between Sister Bay and Gibraltar, it, it, it made me laugh a little bit because for June and July, I think I maybe drove my car five times. And three of those times were to go see Stretch at Northern Door Cycle or Northern River Sports, because it's not practical to go from Sister Bay to Fish Creek. Even for me, I, I'm not comfortable on... Uh, county A scares me. Yeah. It absolutely is a frightening Co- road. County A has been part of the county bike plan. It's like on the map for years. And in fact, sadly, when Lou Branham was killed on that road, turning from... Judville? Judville Road onto County A, she had a copy of the Door County Bicycle map with her. She was following the route that was on that map when she was hit on County A, which has no shoulders and which has a couple of hills that create blind spots where people are going 70 miles an hour. Because anybody who's lived here knows that most people use that as a fast bypass. So they're not going 55, which is the posted limit. They're usually going 65 to, to 80. And that was the actual map. That has since changed. But nobody, no cyclist who's ridden up here for any amount of time would ever tell anybody to bike down County A. No, and it's just the irony of me having to put my bike in the car to go visit Stretch and say, okay, hey, I need whatever's going on here. Yeah. It's kind of sad, but, you know, I, I, I certainly can see that as well in my head. It's it, it's going to be a lot of work to get there, but I think there's a, the stomach to do it now and the awareness. Yeah, and I think we've got some examples of what this stuff can do. I mean, you see the people walking on that the path that's in Sister Bay. I mean, not as much as it could be, but you, you see it used because it doesn't, it, and it would be used a lot more if it connected more places. And then in Ephraim, we're just by putting in a sidewalk and making, going from what everyone always thought was fine was just a shoulder. Oh, you can just walk along that shoulder to speed slow here. By putting in the sidewalk, so many more people walk up and down the street in Ephraim that used to drive. So you've connected these hotels. The shops all told me that they've seen so much more pedestrian traffic and people stopping in their stores. I walk down there a lot with with my dog and my kids, and 
I'll drive to Ephraim to go for a walk, <laughs> sadly. And as one of their ad hoc commission, commission members said, you know, that was a classic case of we built it and they came. Like more pedestrians are using that than ever before. So that induced demand, you build the, the, the pass, you're going to incentivize people to start riding and, and, and being healthier. We even, haven't even talked about the health aspects of this. We've just been talking about the transportation aspects. Yeah. I mean, the, the cost of vehicles is, it's, it's one, you spend a lot of money on it. I mean, I, there's no, even for me, there's no way I could get a, I could live up here without a car. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's impractical, but that still costs a lot of money for everybody. So that's going to be that much more added to the cost of living, which is already higher in Northern Door yeah. than it is a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. And then you also are going to have, you're typically going to have greater health expenses because when you are sitting in your car for 20 minutes a day or 20 minutes each way to work, it's pretty common. You know, you, you think about taking that 20 minutes where you're sitting idle versus, you know, for, for me, that's 45 minutes that I'm actually out there doing cardiovascular exercise. Yeah. And I think about it this way is I actually sleep later when I bike to commute than I do if I have to get up, go for a bike ride, then come back home, then change, then get in the car and go to work. So I actually get to sleep later if I commute. <laughs> you know, I just thought of another thing where there's a connection loss in, because Sister Bay isn't the only community where they've built housing and, and all these things without having that pedestrian connection. Down in Southern Door, down outside of Sturgeon Bay, not Southern Door, but in the apartments back um, a little near Target. Yeah. When all those were developed, Paul Andrews, a huge cycling advocate from the Sturgeon Bay area, I'd have him on here, but he might talk for an hour and a half before I even did the introduction. But he's been fighting this battle for a long time. And he made the point then, their only way to get in and out of those apartments that they built, and they've built a lot of apartments there, is by accessing the highway. He was saying at the time, like, if you're going to build all these, you have to have a pedestrian connection. If you're going to say this is for families, you have to make it possible for families to get from these apartments to the parks and the grocery stores and and the parts of the city that they're all going to want to access. This is exactly what I'm saying, how car-centric it is. If you think about being in the apartment and going to Target, how are you going to do that? You have to do it by car, and it's two blocks away. Yeah, and it's going to take a lot more, and you're, you're putting that much more traffic on and, the highways. And you're accessing a four-lane highway. A strode. And, wh- like, where are your kids supposed to bike? <laughs> it's it's just insane. But that is just it. So the approach at the city at the time was to say yes to the project. And yeah, we would like a pedestrian connection, but we can't get the easement now. So we'll just have to get it later. But we'll build the road now. So the road is seen as a necessity. But the pedestrian access or connection to anything is seen as an extra that can be done later. And that's the thinking that's just different and so now you've just incentivized everyone to have to, if you want to go to the city, you actually have to turn left across four-lane traffic to go in downtown when you're technically like, this is your community that you live in. So that's kind of that. And they're, they're working on it now. They're trying to get the, to purchase some property or I think take it by eminent domain to connect those apartments to Grant Avenue. But, and they are doing it, but it's taken five years. So <laughs> you think of, and, that, and there's hundreds of apartments going in back there, more planned. So all of that, and you've said to them, anytime you want to take your kids to school, to daycare, the grocery store, to restaurants, to parks, to beaches, you must do it by car. If you leave your apartment, you're going to be in a car. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so we'll end it with that. So it's that thinking that needs to be flipped. And I hope 
maybe this educated some people. I don't know if anybody has stuck with us for the full 50 minutes here, but this is something I'm obviously passionate about. You are too. I, I like to highlight where people are even thinking about this on a municipal level because it is so rare up here. And especially if the plans are actually starting to hit the ground and kind of changing how we think about things. And I think we're, we're going to hopefully see some progress moving forward and hopefully see more communities talking to each other to connect each other because then we can really do some, some real community changing things. Thank you, Nate, for joining us. Thank you, Miles. Thank you so much for listening to the Door County Pulse podcast. If you want to support us at The Pulse, check out doorcountypulse.com shop where you can get a weekly Pulse subscription, purchase some incredible Door County artwork from Pulse artist Ryan Miller, and much more. We hope you've enjoyed the Door County Pulse podcast, and we will see you next time.